Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. Hey, welcome back to the rest of the sermon. I am Pastor Tyler, the worship pastor at Westside Church of God in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. You guys want to introduce yourselves? I am Jason Jordan, lead pastor, teaching pastor at Westside Church of God in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And with us today, Philip Neely. I am a worship leader at Westside, a board member as well, and I go to Westside in general. And faithful church member. There yeah, you go. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah. You also Love work it. here at the place that provides the studio for yes. us. Yes. yes. And yeah. also local business owner. Yes, I own Foxtrot Coffee downtown. Say, Bluff. what was that? What was that? Well, Foxtrot Coffee. And where is that located? Vine Street. <laughs> Perfect. Which, before the pandemic, we served faithfully every single Sunday in the lobby of Westside. Yes. Yeah, yes. We, we miss having the coffee in the lobby. It will return. Yes, it will return. please. Welcome, Phil. Welcome back, Jason. Um, yes. It's great to be here. Last week, we had a really good time talking uh, on, our, on our first podcast, the rest of the sermon. We kind of reviewed the series that we had just wrapped up with, the prayers of Jesus, and kind of looked forward into the series that we are now in yeah. this week. Uh, this week, we started a sermon series called So This Is Christmas. Um, and we've already gotten some feedback uh, about this about this sermon series, and um, not just the series, but the podcast as well. Before we launch into the sermon series, I want to read some of this feedback that we got. Yeah, um, Jason, you sent this to me this week. This is really awesome. This is from Anonymous. Uh, I loved the rest of the sermon. I have walked through some rough waters the last few years. The anxiety has been something I have never dealt with and didn't understand at all. The devil kept telling me it was my fault. I felt so closed off from God, and it took way too long to figure out what was going on. I truly thought there was something physically wrong with me, and then the shame of not feeling strong enough. Mm. Thank God for podcasts and people like you and Tyler who are willing to put yourselves out there like you do all the time. And honestly, you guys are a blessing to my family. You have helped us through a hard season, and I love you, and thank God for letting our paths cross at Camp Allen so many years ago. Thank you for always being such a great friend. I am praying for you and your family. It is not easy being a pastor or a pastor's family, and you guys do it with such grace. Your family is precious. Man, that's wonderful. Wow. That's, do you want to respond to that, Jason? Yeah, man, that's just, just incredible. I mean, to think that um, that is a person, a person created in the image and likeness of God. But then I think you know the goal behind this is just to be helpful, like, we just want to be helpful, you know? And so to hear that that was accomplished um, means a lot. I think talking about anxiety and everything in the last episode and then hearing, you know, what stuck out to me in that was, you know, the shame that came with not being enough, not having enough, you know, not enough faith or whatever like that. But, man, that's, yeah, yeah I'm, you know, I don't know what to say. Very overwhelming, but glad to be helpful. That's what we want to do. Yeah. So, yeah, man. No, that feels, uh, I resonate with that as well. Um, the the line that was said, I felt so closed off from God, um, and the line about shame as well, that in the midst of the struggles of our lives, one of the things that we that we may feel is that shame. Um, but God, God honors and loves our honesty in the midst of it. And I think that um, what we're doing here hopefully uh, can kind of point people to that and ourselves as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, so let's dive let's dive right in. Let's dive right into our new sermon series that is called So This Is Christmas, yeah. inspired by the John and Yoko song So This Is Christmas. Wars over uh, if you want it. If, if you want it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got to want it. Yeah. You got to want it. Um so why in the world would we go into a sermon series that is titled after a John and Yoko song? We talked about it a little bit on yeah. Sunday morning um just in the midst of like why would God want to come to a place like this and save a place like this? But can we go into a little bit more depth as to why in the world are we going into the Christmas season with a series like So This Is Christmas? Sure. Well, first and foremost, I was raised on the Beatles, so that's like, there's not, not really a big spiritual aspect to that, but there is. Um, I just, preparing for the series and knowing that Advent was coming, like even when school started this year with our kids, it was like, oh, so this is what the school year is going to be like. Or, you know, I've done a few weddings and it's like, okay, so this is what the wedding's going to be like. And then, you know, and then Christmas approaching, and then for us celebrating Advent, it was just like, so this is going to be Christmas this year. 
and, and it's just tangible and in the air. So when that thought first entered my mind, like, so this is Christmas, and then the song just sort of came immediately. But how, I mean, how about you guys? Is yeah. there is there the tangible sort of that line, so this is Christmas, does that yeah. sort of make something uh, tangible as to what you can sense right now? Definitely, just the way the culture is right now, uh, you know, the way the year has gone, it, <laughs> I, I can totally resonate with the idea of every step of the way. So this is how it's going to be. So this is how, you know, yep. just the, and even just the dot, dot, dot at the end of this. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. So this is Christmas. We're just I think left it, with it. I think that sums up what Christmas kind of feels like this year and sure. the, the Advent season in it. I think it also goes along with the tension of Advent. Of, yes. Of the whole idea of what Advent is, the anticipation of so this is Christmas, Christmas. Yeah. you know, that's, I really think that's good. good. Yeah. No, well, when you came into my office and, and talked to me a little bit about it, um, well, I'm, I think we were sitting down in a meeting uh, with Nico and we were talking about this vision for this bumper of like the, the, yeah. the, the riots and the headlines from, from news anchors and stuff about COVID-19 and then, uh, police brutality and a bunch of other things going on on the screen, all mixed with the, the, the song from John and Yoko. Kids uh, so singing. This, so yeah, this is like, Christmas. Is yeah, it's just that juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, there, absolutely. There is a tension there, and I remember thinking that, like, I cannot, I cannot think of a better way to wrap up the year than to just like blatantly dive headlong into the honesty and the truth about how 2020 has been. Yes. I think that's what this series is is hopefully going to accomplish. Um, that we're be, we're not looking around like. For example, this week, um, our, our call to worship, we're going to have a family um, light the peace candle, or the joy candle, I'm sorry, for this week at Advent. And and they're going to do a little bit of a reading that sort of focuses on this idea of joy. Like, we look around in a Christmas season like this, and everything is shouting at us, like expecting us to be joyful. Like, right. you're, you're either shopping on, you know, maybe you're walking through a store if you're still masked up and going into stores, or or maybe you're at a friend's house or whatever, there's always Christmas music on, and it's telling you, be of good cheer, and the Christmas cards, everything is almost like expecting us to have this this joyful, uh, this this joyful attitude about us as we go throughout life, but we're looking around and we're like... I mean, it's just what you said last week, like the distance, the death, the disease, the doom right. and gloom. Everybody's experiencing that. What is there to be joyful about? And then we're sold this <laughs> bill of goods. Like, all right, it's eggnog and let's sing because yeah. that's what we do every year. And and so I think that the tension was the word. And so, um, you know, we just wanted to be honest about the tension. Yeah. And and also we said as an encouragement to people, 2020 has been been a good year for some people, despite yeah. everything that's happened. And we said, don't feel shame about that. Don't Praise God that in the midst of everything that's gone on, that it's been a good year for you. Um, but I think overall, the pulse is, you know, so this is Christmas. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's really good. Um, at some point this week, uh, you came you came into my office and, and you said, hey, remember to ask me this. I don't even know if you remember <laughs> what you asked me. I think so. But you rolled into my office and you were like, and you're like, hey, remind me, um, Ask me why? Why were you dissatisfied with your sermon? Prep? <laughs> <laughs> with your sermon prep, you came in and you were like, yeah. "Hey, remember to ask me like, why are you dissatisfied? Because I'm so dissatisfied." Yeah. With my sermon I think prep. it's important <laughs> to know what day that was. It was yeah. probably like Tuesday or a Wednesday, <laughs> and yeah. so you know, because this is called the rest of the sermon, it's sort of a conversation of what this looks like. So Monday, I throw myself headlong. Monday's most of the time my worst day of the week. And so I don't want to give that to my family. You know, I know a lot of guys take Monday off, and that's great. That's fine. But a lot of times it's the worst day of the week for me because I'm drained, I'm down, and so I don't want to be, like, at home. <laughs> like, right. You know, and that. So I just throw myself headlong back into the Bible. I just, For me, I've got to have Monday as back in God's Word. What am I looking at this week? So Monday, I just, as the day progressed, I started feeling this overwhelming sense of, wow, this is a lot. The tension, the heaviness, this, that, and the other, not just introing the series, but talking about Advent. And then at Westside, we we teach a text every yeah. week. So we're, you know, we don't just share thoughts or something like that. Like we teach a text of scripture. And then, you know, the topic of glory came up and that was sort of the thrust of the message. And, you know, we're asking the question in this series, why would God want to come here? And I think that's an okay question to ask right yeah. now. And so amidst all of that on like Tuesday when I stumbled into your office, 
it was just like, bro, this is a lot. And I don't feel, um, to summarize it this way, I think the week before when we finalized the prayers of Jesus, that's my bread and butter. I love walking through a text and just going, boom, illustration, application, explanation, boom, boom, boom. And man, yeah. it was helpful. It was a good, you know, I think a good text, um, you know, to propel you into a sermon. And this week it was just like Advent, tension, glory, yeah. death, disease. And it was just like, nah, you know, so <laughs> that's what I felt. That's what I yeah, felt for sure. for sure. For sure. Well, Phil, you, you, uh, whoops, excuse me. I just, I just made a boo-boo on my computer. I deleted some of our notes. Jamie. Uh, yeah, I'm Jamie. Jamie doesn't make those kinds of mistakes. Uh, Phil, Phil, you've been coming to Westside well, for like four years now, right? Like, yeah, four, four or five, four years. or five wow. years. I still yeah. remember that night. Baby's uh, born, bro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, you got two of them. Two. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You got you guys came. Uh, you guys came to a a night of worship and prayer that we had. I'll never forget meeting you that night. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, man. We'll have you on another day for that story, though. That'll be that'll be awesome. But what it, what was your what was your takeaway? We talked about uh, so the big idea from this week was why, why would God want to come here? Well, the first week of of this series is to reveal His glory, um, to reveal the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and. If you were to either walk away from the content of the sermon this week um, or have like one one thought or idea about the glory of God that you drew from either the text or the sermon, what would that be? If you think you have an answer, I can let you roll with it now or I can give you a moment to think. I think uh, one thing that he touched on with uh, the glory of God is a lot of the times where there's so many songs out there of like, we want your glory to come and all these things. And just yeah. touching on the idea of every time in the Bible that the glory of God shows up or God is there, people fall on their face. As though dead. As though dead. Yes. And they're like, hey, don't kill me, please. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm, you know, grace. Yeah, it, it's going to be fine. Grace. You're not. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so uh, I think that's something that we often forget. Yeah. And I think it's good to remind ourselves of, hey, God is is righteous. And when he shows up, it's not just like, oh, everything's going to be okay. It's like, uh, you know, we're a little worried right now, you know, like, cause, <laughs> yeah. because we're sinful. And right. so there is that, that tension of righteousness, righteousness coming down to a sinful world. Yes. Yeah. And yes. when we see God's glory, we, we should have some level of fear of like, I am not that. Right. Mm. And I am not righteous. And yeah. so that's good, man. It, it, it creates a tension within even myself of like, how am I viewing God? Am I am I on my face before God, or I'm just like, hey, homeboy, you know things right. are cool, you know things right. are you know good, right? Christmas, right? You know I get gifts, you know, but it's like, no, this is the glory of God mm. that is in contrast to our sinfulness coming into our world. Yes, and the good news obviously is the gospel that grace is offered to us. Yeah. Um, but there's still that tension of like, do I deserve this? You know, there's right. a, I don't deserve this type of thing. So yeah. that's wow. the grace, man. That's the grace is that God would allow his glory to dwell with man, that the word would become flesh and dwell among us. Yes. Can we talk about that for a minute? Can we just talk about the glory of God and how like we either mistake it or get it wrong and then kind of work our way to to Phil's to, to Phil's comments and what he just said about the glory of God being holy and righteous and awesome and and how it's something that there should be a level of fear yeah, too. How how sure. do we get the glory of God wrong, especially at Christmas time? Like when it comes to I don't know, like the wise men brought Jesus gifts. The the gifts weren't the gifts weren't for like Herod or Mary right. or Joseph. Like, yeah, man. Like I honestly Jesus got the gifts. <laughs> I think it's come from just a cultural line of things of from a young age, I feel like we're taught we get gifts at Christmas. Right. We get gifts at, every year after year. And I think in some ways we get to a level where we feel entitled to that, mm. yeah. where it becomes about you. Christmas has become about me and Santa comes and all this stuff. And so the, I think we in some ways indoctrinate ourselves backwards into, we, we push that into our theology with God of mm. like, I deserve cr- gifts at Christmas and also I deserve the grace that God gave to me. Mm. And so... Mentally, we get to that place of like everything in Christianity slowly becomes about us, and we're singing about how 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 worthy we are in some ways of the love that God gives us, rather than realizing we're not worthy of that love. It's God's grace that gives us that love. Yeah. And so, I think Christmas, some in some ways, plays a large part of the materialism and the 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 year after year, I get gifts, I get gifts, turns into I deserve all this, right? Yeah. And you become the center of that, and 
suddenly your beliefs about God kind of center around that idea of I deserve the grace. Absolutely. Yeah, rather than we're sinful and we don't deserve that at all. Yeah. Right. I think one of the early church fathers said it best that God created us in his own image and likeness, but what we have done is we've created God in our own image and likeness. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that that's it. I mean, it really boils down to those two things. And I think yeah. when it comes to glory, um, and especially during the holidays, you know, one of the things that we said that what Advent does, and, and Advent is the season leading up to Christmas, and so traditionally in the church calendar, Advent is the is the time leading up to the you know December twenty fifth or the birth of Jesus, and then Christmas tide, you know, um, is the twelve days leading up to that, and and I love the discipline of that and the beauty of that, and and that the early church said, feel the tension because it's not here yet. We have to wait till the, you know, the 25th and celebrate yeah. that. You know, you know, historically it wasn't the 25th and then Nero, Constantine, all that stuff. But we said Advent forces us to face the darkness of this fallen world and the depth of God's love for it. Yeah. And the key word in that is and. Yeah. It's both. Mm-hmm. And so Phil, you said it. We we've got to understand. We were in Isaiah 6. You know, Isaiah seeing, you know, Jesus, what we come to find out in the temple. And the the phrase that drops in, for me, I always just meditate, pray on the text, and there's always a word. I just look for a word. This week it was a couple. It was high and lifted up. You know, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, um, and he was high and lifted up. And that's so significant. That means other that means not like me. That means not on the same you know, level or any of that. And I think exactly what you said is, is that we've created this time of year um, as an expectation that it, it, it must be like this. Now, the beauty of it is, is what we said in the sermon, is that if God remains high and lifted up, that's bad news. Right. <laughs> you know, but what we celebrate this time of year is the incarnation, is yeah. that Jesus got off that throne and descended, um, you know, condescended to our level. And, th- and that is a whole nother level of glory in humility. Yeah. So, so the tension this time of year is glory and majesty. Like, whoa, like, you know, the shepherds in their flock by night, and then, duh, like angels. And then, and it says they were frightened, terrified. In the original language, it's like petrified, just right. so scared. So it's glory and majesty, but it, then it's glory and humility. Yeah. Like who, what God is like this, that the angels sing day and night, holy, holy, holy is the, you know, is the Lord God Almighty. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. And he leaves that to come here. Yeah. Like, oh man, that that's it. Yeah. That, you know, that's where we're at this time of year. Yeah. And so. I think that's a that's it's it's where the it's where the gospel has an opportunity to to penetrate beyond the the mental and the theological and the and the intellectual and enter into the place of our hearts. Mm. That to understand and know, I mean, that that God would come down here and assume my form mm. and assume my humanity and empathize and sympathize and relate with every single thing that I will ever encounter in my life, that I know that the God that I can view as Father fearfully, rightfully, in His holiness and His goodness is also somebody who relates with me on a level that no one else can, Right. that it enters into our hearts in a way that is... That, in my opinion, is is the personal side of the spirituality with the Lord, the, the unity with the Lord. It's not like we, we don't grow in our faith just by sitting at home reading our Bibles alone and watching right. TV and, you know, doing all of that or streaming the service or listening to podcasts or whatever. Right. Come we, to church. Right. Come to church. We are... We are <laughs> amen. Amen. Sorry. Drop that right no, there. you're good. We're created for community. God amen. in and of himself and the, and the Trinity is a community in and of himself and we're created in his image and likeness, so we need community. Amen. That is something what we need. But there is something that is intimate and intimate and tangible about the incarnation that when 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 we understand and know that God assumed the form of a man he put on flesh and came to the earth as Jesus Christ the son of the living God son of God son of man there is something personal about that no and there's something that we can relate with and i think there's a draw there absolutely that, that i absolutely appreciate um one of the things that that you had mentioned to me in between uh, services, Jason, was you said, I just want to be helpful. Um, and we were talking in the moment at regards of like, 
hearing sermons on these big concepts of God, like his holiness or yeah. his glory, things that would take a lifetime to preach through or, sure. or to teach through. Um, and a lot of times we we approach these or we hear churches or we ourselves have done it. We approach these big concepts and we sort of just gloss over and expect it that they're understand, yeah. that they're understood. Like we use words like holiness or glory just in an instant and assume right. that people know right. or should know what that is. Um and one of the things you said is that preaching often does a disservice when it demands the understanding of God's glory without explaining what it means or how it affects us. Yeah. So throughout this series, what are what are some ways that you're intentionally uh, trying to be helpful and bring our understanding of of not just exp- not just defaulting to knowing what God's glory is, but like explaining what it means and how it affects us? Yeah, I think you know it goes back. If you know one of my heroes of the faith is Charles Spurgeon, and he's probably one of the greatest preachers in the English language. Um, But he said in his preaching school, in his book, um, Two Preachers, to always speak the plowman's language. Yeah. And and back then in Victoria and London and England, you know, the plowman was considered like um, just the, one of the lowest jobs you could have. No education, no anything like that. And the reason why Spurgeon became so famous and his teaching was so helpful is because he spoke to those people. And so he would take a concept like glory and speak the plowman's language. That's what makes preaching difficult. You know, when we do our preaching labs at Westside and anybody steps in on the pulpit and anybody gets trained, you're, the goal of the sermon is to be helpful, right. is to be helpful to someone. Um, and so the idea of going, okay, we have to talk about glory. I mean, we we defined incarnation in the sermon. We defined glory. You yeah. know, we said incarnation is the union of divinity and humanity in the God man Jesus Christ. That is to say that the eternal Son of God became flesh. Yeah. We have to know what we're talking about. You know, and what is glory? Well, glory is the manifest attributes of God. Yeah. His beauty, his majesty, his love, his holiness. It's it's what exudes from him. And so that's the tension for a preacher is to go, you know, when I look out and I see a guy like Phil who's got a family, who's working these jobs, and, and he's sitting there with, with his wife and his family. I mean, they came on Sunday. You know, I think of, you know, guys like Matt Blackburn who were working on job sites, school teachers who are, yeah. they're there, man. They're there. And You've got 30 minutes, or if you come to Westside, more like 50. But, you know, I mean, you, you've just got this amount of time, and so it's it's to be helpful. But at the same time, you don't want to wa- – you're not watering down content. Like, like we have to talk about God's glory. We have yeah. to talk about holiness. And so um, that's the tension, and, and by no means do I have this figured out. But um, when I was a younger man – when I that's a song, right? When I was a younger man um, – Whenever I first got into preaching, of course, I would listen to other preachers. Um, you know, I would, you know, God's glory. I'd go listen to like a John Piper sermon and then, right. you know, hear him, you know, for 50 minutes just blow the doors off and then go, well, I have to do that. Right. And it's like, well, no, you know, God's called you to your ministry. God's yeah. called you here. And I figured out how he's gifted me through the years. And, and for me, I just see families out there and I go, okay, how can we do this? How can we be helpful? And so I think in the series, it's well for us to define what we're talking about this time yeah. of year, incarnation, glory, all of those type of things. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's really good. Um, my next question is, is uh, well, I'll just say it. Have you ever seen an angel? Wow. Uh, seriously, any, have you ever seen an angel? I, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so, but Hebrews says that we've entertained angels unaware. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Um, well, I'm just uh, the reason I asked this question is because the 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 deliverer, the messenger of this news in the first thirteen verses of Isaiah comes from this angel, from the seraphim, and and uh, comes from Isaiah seeing yeah. this vision. But um, this idea of seeing, like Phil, like you said, the the shepherds, and anytime we see recorded in scripture, like we talked about at Westside, like people fall as though dead, and I think one of the hallmark one of the hallmark trademark signs of Christmas time, if it's not like Santa Claus and Coca-Cola or baby Jesus in a manger, it's like an angel with a harp. And Hold on a second. Can you run that list back? <laughs> I mean, baby Jesus and Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> what have that's we done? Insane. What have we done? Even the list. Jesus made it third on my list. I mean, but then. that's a true list. Yeah, I wouldn't argue yeah. with that list it's at all. Santa Claus, Coca-Cola, baby Jesus in a manger, and angels. Absolutely. Um, and I, I want to speak to... because. 
and again, like this is a place where we don't want we don't want to break you down. We want to build you up. Amen. This is a place where we want to to lovingly correct some things that we maybe think about in a false way, um, especially when it comes to God and giving Him glory. Um, but we also want to be informative and helpful. So if you're offended by this, welcome welcome to the rest of the sermon yes. podcast. <laughs> but also know that we love you, and this serves a purpose. Amen. I want to speak to those who who feel. Um, as though whether whether or not they've seen an angel in their lives or they communicate the importance of angels or or they they talk about angels in the afterlife and whether a loved one is an angel i mean these are these are big personal things what would you say to somebody who maybe elevates the importance of or or sees an angel as somebody who who holds some sort of glory or someone to bow to or something in their life like is what I'm asking making any sense? No, no, I think it does, and I th- and I think it's again, I think it's a helpful question um, because a um, they're involved in the story, yeah. they're involved in the Christmas story, totally. and, and angels are awesome. You know, they're all in the scripture. I like where you're going, and I think I know where you're going with this. That oftentimes, I think in in the modern American church right now, people would run to the Christian bookstore to buy the book Twenty Three Minutes in Heaven or hell, or the sighting of an angel, um, and read that rather than their Bible. Yeah. And I, and, and I think that's very concerning. Um, primarily what we see later on in John chapter 12, verse 41, um, it tells us Isaiah wrote these things. Isaiah wrote his whole book because he saw Jesus and his glory. That was the compelling thing. In the New Testament, it doesn't mention Isaiah and angels. It mentions Isaiah seeing Jesus. Yeah. And so um, I like where you're going with that because I yeah. think in the holidays, there are things that we ascribe glory and worth to that we need to be very careful um, because, I mean, you read the Scripture in, in our service. God says that He shares His glory with no one. Right. Amen. And, and, and we can maybe get into this because we said that the opposite of glory is idolatry. Yeah. That's that's the tension, you know, right. in in all of that. And so anytime we ascribe worth or glory to anything or anyone other than God, that is idolatry and that is the greatest sin. That is the sin that leads to everything else in that. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can, you know, touch on that a bit for sure. No, that's great. Phil, do you have any thoughts on that, on idolatry of moving to... Uh, sorry, uh, behind the scenes, I'm looking for a passage that an angel an angel tells John in Revelation, don't worship me. <laughs> yeah, I was going right? to... I was actually going to say that. Yeah, I think yeah. multiple times in Scripture, at, at least one that I can yeah, think of. Yeah, here you read it. Revelation they 22, say, 9. There you go. That's it. <clears throat> Got our Bibles open up in here, guys. That's right. 22, 9. Right there. Um, I'll start from eight, I guess. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. Amen. Every that should be every that, that preacher's life verse. Right every yeah. preacher's life verse. Now, if you could exposit that that verse for us right now, Phil, how would you? <laughs> if only all our idols told us that, <laughs> right? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. Hey, hey, yeah. Amen. I think I think seeing that is good because exactly what you said. Um, we will all fall down and worship something. Yep. And um, it's not if, it's what what we worship. And I think going back to what you said, Phil, this time of year exposes where we place glory and um, where we desire that. And I'll be honest, guys, like let's just all for being honest on the podcast, now having kids, we have three kids, you know, um, I love, Courtney and I love providing for them. And we love like when they ask for something, being good, you know, parents that want to be like, all right, you can get that. And then on Christmas morning, them getting that and being excited about that. And so even trying... What I'm saying is not just trying to correct my own heart because, you know, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone right. to leave the God I love. But the same thing with, with our kids is is directing that and, and guiding that. <clears throat> and so here's a question. Do you guys have anything on like a Sunday morning, you know, for Christmas time or anything like that, um, that you guys do before we dive into presents, before we do anything like that with your family or, 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 or anything to kind of correct or corral that? Something that we always did uh, growing up is we would always read 
from Matthew or one of the passages. And so I've tried to carry that over yep. with our family. We just read first before we get into the gifts and we explain why we get gifts and great. and all that stuff. And uh, the kids know that the gifts come from us. Sure. We don't, we don't really... We, we don't really do the Santa. They know about Santa. Yeah, sure. But we've explained who St. Nicholas was yeah, and, cool. and why Santa is kind of still celebrated as cool. a representation of what St. Nicholas used to do and give gifts and why we give gifts. So we just, yeah, yeah we kind of just try to be really clear and transparent on what's going awesome. on at Christmas time yeah, and perfect. why we do everything. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. We're Calvinists at the Saxon household, so we burn <laughs> all of our gifts because we know we don't deserve them. Right. Uh, we watch our children. No, I'm just kidding. We, we have a we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old right now, so um, comprehension when it comes to... Uh, right. You're just trying to make it through, yeah, man. Yeah, we're Amen. like, another cookie? It's 7 a.m. Who yep. cares? Like, yep. No, um, but in the past, um, what my wife and I have done, we've generally read from Luke. We've spent some time in prayer. We've called family. Um, but... To take a moment um, and actually like be quiet on Christmas morning before you approach mm. the approach the tree. That's something that we we had done in years past. Where um, before we would even, I mean, we would come together like we wouldn't like kneel down and pray any great. Like there's this, sure. this is no hallmark moment at our house. I'm just remembering a time where we would wake up and we would just be quiet. Like we would sit down and be quiet, and then read a verse, and then we would do gifts. Cool. Um, but to kind, of, I think centering ourselves and reminding ourselves because it's. I, I like Christmas morning because it's like an analogy for for our lives. Like it's an analogy for church. Like like we wake up on Sunday morning, we're like, ah, this means something. Right. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to read this, and then we're supposed to act this way, and we're supposed to say a prayer. And now let's go live the rest of our lives and tear open all these gifts, and then I get to charge <laughs> right. this thing. And do I have enough batteries? And are the kids right. going to get mad at each other? But like, for that one brief moment, yeah. yeah and sure. how do, how does that bleed into a Christmas morning? Your kids are a little bit older. What yeah. do you guys do on on Christmas morning? One of the things that we found helpful, and again, we're not completely disciplined in this, but um, we we are this year probably um, adhering more to Advent than we ever have, just because Romans nine, um, you know, Andy Grace is six. Piper's four, and so they're older, comprehension and things like that. And so we've been doing some things in the evening. Courtney's mapped out some Bible reading. Roman can read, and Andy's learning to read, which is a fascinating time, by the way. Um, She's just spelling everything and reading that. And so they read certain passages leading up. And then we've done very similar kind of Phil and Tyler, what you've said on on Christmas morning, pause, reflect, read that, um, pray together, rehash sort of that story and then go that direction. But um, this year has just been a bit more of a gift to us just because our kids are getting a little bit older. And so that's been really fun, Roman reading passages and then asking. Like he was reading Isaiah 53 a couple nights ago and talking about his beauty and his majesty wasn't to look upon. And then finally he looked up, and it was so great. He just looked up and he goes, who does this even mean? (laughs) (laughs) And, And I was like, yes. Ask questions. Right. Ask yeah. questions. And so I took them very, just by God's mercy, I remembered in the book of Acts when the Ethiopian eunuch is is yeah. reading Isaiah. And then right there, boom, He, do you know who you're speaking about? No. And it's about Jesus. And so Roman was like, oh, wow, that's cool. And then we just went on with our evening. Right. You know, I mean, it wasn't glory didn't fill the Jordan living room, <laughs> speaking right. of glory. Right. <laughs> but we're just trusting God in those moments. Because yeah. again, glory isn't just majesty. Yeah. It's also seen in the humility of Jesus as well. Yeah. So yeah. that's good. We are, uh, I was answering your question. I'm very literal. So when you ask, like, what do you guys do on Christmas morning? I'm like, I'm thinking of Christmas morning. Yeah. We're doing things throughout the week as Absolutely. well with our kids. I want to share those. Um, we we kept our uh, Advent wreath from last year when yeah. we did Advent, and we've got the candles, and we've, we've been lighting our candles uh, each Sunday night with the kids and um, reading a portion of Scripture. And we have this Advent calendar that is sort of like hung up on a hutch um, yeah. in our in our kitchen area. And corresponding for the day, we take it down. We read a verse from Luke from it's the great. from the Gospel account of Luke of Jesus's birth. And then on the back of another card is like a fun activity that we do. Very cool. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed, Jesse is now Jesse's our three year old. She's starting to retain things really well. And so when we tell her this candle, she's like, "What's that? What's the candle for?" Yeah. We tell her this candle means hope. 
and we're asking her now, what does hope mean? What does hope mean? And she says that hope means to wait for something good. Mm. And so that's what we're trying to teach our kids. Hope is to wait for something good, and who we wait for is Jesus. And then the peace candle, what is peace? It's to, it's to be without worry. Mm. And who who makes that possible? Jesus. So we're just trying to teach little foundational things yes, and that amen. tie into these candles. And and uh, there's there's nothing like like magical um, or spiritual about having a purple or, or white or pink candle lit in your home, but it's what it points us to that's important yeah. is Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think yeah. it goes back to, to what we're talking about with glory here. You know, how serious is it? What's well, so serious that God said he doesn't share it? Amen. And so what these things are is kind of what we said about prayer. It's both duty and delight. It's something that we not only kind of have to do in yeah. order for our hearts not to wonder, yes, right. but it's also something we get to do as well. Yeah. And um, I just think that's super important because if Isaiah's response is, woe is me, yeah, that man, you know, that goes yeah. back to what you said, Phil. That's got to tell us something. Right? I want to jump into that. That's that's next on our list. Your, your second point about God's glory is that it reveals our sinfulness, yeah. that God's glory reveals our sinfulness. And Isaiah says there, he says when, when he's in the midst of it in verse 5 of chapter 6, he says, woe is me. First thing he says, and, and when I hear him, woe is me, like when you were saying this isn't just like a woe is me, like right. or a tongue-in-cheek thing, I think of the 2000, I think it's 2009, the 2009 A Christmas Carol, the Charles Dickens rendition where, um, well, it's all Charles Dickens, where Jim Carrey is yes. the anime. He's all three ghosts. We just watched that the other night screwed. with the kids. We watched that every Christmas Eve. Yes. If read the book in the dark by yourself. It's terrifying. No way. No <laughs> um, way. But I think of Marley's ghost in that, in that scene yes. where Marley shows up and he's like, He's draped in chains and he's distraught and he's grabbing his his shirt and he's he's pulling on his clothes and just wailing, Woe is me. Yes. Like, yes. like that's what I hear Isaiah scream. If you watch that movie this year, yeah. if you haven't, he says, Woe is me. And the first thing he says is, I am lost. I'm lost. Yep. I am a man of unclean lips. So so he addresses his reality of where he is in the in the presence of this God, I am lost. Right. And then he says, This is why. This is my sin revealed. I'm a man of unclean lips, personally, and I dwell among a whole people, a, a, a whole nation of people of unclean lips. And then he says, I'm, I, I notice this because for my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord of hosts. Yeah. How does the glory of God at Christmas time, how can that reveal what is sinful to us? And maybe maybe the, the better question to ask is, is, how do we hide our sinfulness in the midst of God's glory? Yeah. Like we can push it off on other people. I don't want to get into the the answers, but how do we sure how do we hide our sinfulness in the midst of God's glory, or how do we try? Yeah, well, I think the try is the key. Yeah. Um, God's glory exposes it, and yeah. one of the things that we like to talk about with this time of year, the reason why the church has these traditions is this time of the year in our part of the world the darkest time of year. The sun sets the earliest, and light is used, obviously, because Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Light not only dispels darkness, and we love that. We we love that. That's good news, that it yeah. dispels the darkness. The problem is, is that the New Testament would say that the human heart loves darkness because it thinks that it can hide in it. So, it does, so, so when God's glory... Um, expels the darkness, it also exposes what was hidden in the dark. And, you know, when Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips, Jesus would take it even further and say, well, the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So it yeah. wasn't just a lip problem, it was a heart problem. Yeah. And again, going back to kind of what Phil talked about, this is something we see everywhere in the Bible, that when God's glory is revealed, um, he even told Moses, like, you, you can't look upon my glory and live. Yeah. And it goes back to Genesis 3, that there is a problem in this world. And listen, I think if 2020 has revealed anything, the amount of division, all this division is, is, is the blame game. Yeah. It's like trying to find the blame. It's and the woman you gave me. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back to Genesis 3. Yeah. It was, I did this because she did this, and well, I did this because he said this, and right. and it's the blame game, and that's a human being's response and rather than taking responsibility and this, that, and the other. And so I think 2020 has exposed that, that there is something wrong in this world. Human beings are so much more fragile than what we would like to give credit to. And God's glory comes along and exposes that, and and Isaiah feels that separateness, you know, um, from God. And yeah. so, yes, God's glory reveals our sinfulness. Um, but the good news is, is that 
and doesn't just leave us there yeah as well to to kind of go off that point to answer the question as well again yeah. of how do we try to hide mm. our sinfulness in 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 light of God's glory i think in many ways it is by simply not looking at it ourselves mm. And I think in many ways, in order to try and get away from our own sinfulness, we actually tend to focus on everyone else's all the time yeah. in order to try and avoid our own. You're preaching, man. And I yeah. think in some ways, we think that because we're not looking at it, God can't see it either. And that's just opposite of the truth in right. many ways. And it's like a kind kid of, playing hide and seek. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I close my eyes, you can't see me yes. in the middle of this room. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. But even off of that verse, I mean, Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst people. And you even said it in the sermon, we're very good at pointing at the culture and being like, yep. woe is me, everyone else is a bunch of sinners. Yep. But if you take away the fact that God is looking at you, all you have, you don't have the woe is me. You right. just have that everyone else is sinners all the time. Yes. And so we need that in we need in some way God's glory, the reminder of the fact that God is good and his and that he does see us to remind us of the woe is me. Yes. Yeah. To remind us that, oh, I'm sinful. Because yep. otherwise we we get internal and we just focus on everyone else's sinfulness. And I think a no lot question. of what you just said is what's going on in our culture right now is just yeah. playing the blame game of everyone else has sin, everyone else has sin, everyone else is off. And I've never seen it to the point to where it's, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's well, the problem is the Republicans or the Democrats or, I mean, the, the tribalism. And what you said is um, it's very easy to look out there rather than in here. And, and I think a proper view of God's glory, what we said was, we understand who we are in light of who God is. Yeah. And so the cultural narrative, to take it back even a step further, is to find yourself, is to go find yourself and that spark inside you and pull that out and this, that, and the other. Now, everybody has value and everybody has worth, yes and amen, but at the end of the day, you can't start with yourself. Yeah. Any narrative that starts with humans first is a bad narrative. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't go to the end of that line either. You can't save yourself. No, you can't start right. with yourself and you can't you save yourself. That's why yeah. the, the, the <clears throat> narrative of Scripture is in the beginning God. Amen. And I love what one preacher says is that's the most offensive verse in the Bible. Yeah. The most offensive verse in the Bible is Genesis 1-1 yeah. because then you have to reckon with everything else <clears throat> from that verse. Yeah. And I think that's so true. You know, That's really good. That's really, really good. Well, we're sitting, we're, we're creeping up on 45 minutes here. Um, uh, we we want to move into the section of the podcast where we kind of take on the questions from people yeah. who sort of email us in questions. Um, the only problem is none of you sent us anything this week. First week of the podcast. <laughs> Come on, guys, send us something. Yes. I, I feel like, I can't remember who it was, um, but there was somebody on a radio, he wasn't a radio host, and he was filling in for some day, for somebody, and he was like, I can do this, this is no big deal. He's like, do we have any callers on the line? Do we have any? None? No callers? Okay, well, I'll just go back to reading this. What about now? Any callers? He's like, give me someone to talk to and something to say. That's great. Um, if you guys have any questions about the, the the sermon and you want us to answer them in the rest of the sermon, please remember you can you can email us those questions at info at westsidepb.org, and we will do our best to answer the thousands of them that will come in this week. Pouring we, in. Yeah, just, just next Tuesday, we will be up to our chins in these questions. Yes. But since we don't have a question, I thought I would come up with one of my own. I'm reading through a book right now um, that's way above my reading level uh, by by two guys who are, I think, in South Africa. Um, I can't remember. I'll just blurt out the name of the book. It's called The Incarnation of God. Yeah. Um, it's way above my reading level, but they, the focus of the book is, is the incarnation of God, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is not just this cute little part of Christianity, but it's actually the heart of it. Yeah. It's actually central to the Christian faith. Um, and one of the lines that they say in the book is that that everything, um, the reason that this this is, is because everything either stems from or flows to, points to or stems from the incarnation of Jesus, of Jesus being born, God in the flesh. Is that accurate, number one? And number two, if that is true, why is this the most central event in Christianity? Like, yes, the, yes, we have the cross. Yes, we have the burial. Yes, we have the resurrection. But are those things important if God never came in the first place, right. if God never came to identify with our humanity? Is that accurate, and why would it be important if it is? Yeah, I think when we look at the gospel, and the gospel <clears throat> not just, I mean, just being the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's sort of like a diamond, like 
the whole stone's valuable, but you hold that diamond up to the light and you're going to get many different colors. Yeah. Um, the incarnation is unique in its color, if you will, because of exactly what you said, everything else sort of flows from that. But, but not only that, when we look at the member, you know, when we look at the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, um, the Son, the second member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, physically changed his form as to a way in which none of the other members of the Trinity did. And here's what I mean by that. When Jesus Christ stepped on earth <clears throat> and was God in a bod, as we teach our kids' side kids, they Amen. put on flesh, it changed to such a degree that even now, after the resurrection, Jesus Christ is physically somewhere. Yeah. He still has a human body. <laughs> and so, I mean, I mean, that's sorry, that'll blow your mind. That's a mind-stretching concept, but yeah. but it's so much so. And of course, it can be said the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us whenever it was just. I mean, yes, again, the gospel is like a diamond, and there's many facets of it. Yeah. But to understand from all eternity, holy, holy, holy. And to step out of that. And we see that mentioned, Paul, Philippians chapter 2. Now, the cross is, is the crux of the Christian faith for sure, yes. But there's no cross unless there's no baby that grows up to be a man. And so one of the ways we've said it is Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man in order to fully bridge the gap between God and man. Yeah, That's the key, is, is we needed that mediator in between. And so, I mean, just the concept. And then we see in church councils. You know, um, the Nicene Creed and all of those counsels about, okay, fully God, fully man. There wasn't a subtraction to his divinity. There was an addition, which was the humanity. I mean, so once you start meditating <clears throat> on this doctrine, it just it becomes so profound. Yeah. So profound. So to, to succinctly answer the question, yes, yeah. it, it's, it's so crucial and it's so core. That's good. That's good. Well, I have two more questions to, to round off the end of the rest of the sermon this week. Number one, what is one resource that I'm terrible, like I could barely remember the name of the book that I was reading, let alone sure. who wrote it. You need to know who you're reading, by the way. <laughs> I'm a terrible example. As Jason knows every author and every, every title of every book that he's ever read Not and true. retains it in his Not head. True. It's amazing. Know who you're reading because uh, that's important. So what's one resource that you would share with somebody in the midst of this series, um, aside from the Bible, obviously, what what's one resource you would either lead, lead them to to guide them through Advent um, or through this sermon series, uh, and what would that being why? Yeah, um, I think there's there's two and and two on kind of different levels. Um, the first one, Tim Keller has a great devotional called Hidden Christmas. Yeah, uh, that would be really really helpful. I think it's actually probably just a collection of his sermons, and that would be really great because he really talks about incarnation a lot in that, and it would be um, just really, really good leading up during this time. The church right now is doing Love Came Down by Sinclair Ferguson, yeah. and so uh, we're walking through that sort of in this Advent time. I read every year, and just to be your nerd friend here, I read every year St. Athanasius in the Incarnation, and he was an early church father, and just I read it every year because I need to read it every year because it's pretty deep stuff, but just the concept... Uh, Again, of majesty and humility. That's where that comes from. Is uh, is 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 really profound. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would say "Hidden Christmas" by Tim Keller. "Love Came Down" by Saint Clair Ferguson. Or if you're just a nerd with a pocket protector, you can do Saint Athanasius, the Incarnation. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Phil, what about you, man? During Christmas time, you guys read anything or go over anything or anything that comes to your mind that you know has been helpful in the past? We typically go through the whatever Advent book. We are doing okay. at, at the church last year. We did it with the candles, and the kids loved that. Great. Sweet. Um, to, play, to play off of kind of what you said of doing the candles, you, you don't know how much the kids are really taking in. Yeah. But they love the candle part. And so we we just had them memorize what each candle represented yeah. and um, just pray that they, they hold on to some of that stuff. So Amen. I think just going through the, the Advent calendar like you talked about, I think that's a good uh, good thing to do this time of year, especially if you have children. I think it's a good way to involve them in some way that's interesting to them. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you know, light a fire in the house. Yeah. You know, they, yes. they love that. Yes. <laughs> involve your kids, parents. Involve your kids in the things that you love. And if you love Jesus, you're training them up right. Involve yeah. them. Okay, one resource that I would want to share, um, 
a lot of people don't know this. Jason knows this. I read the, I read this book every single year. It's not a profound theological anything. Um, it's just a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Yeah, man. I sit down and read it every year. I try to read it in the dark <laughs> because it's terrifying when you yes, see this ghost. Um, but it's also it's also a good. There's just there's just a language that Charles Dickens writes in, and he's also the king of run-on sentences that that people don't talk in or write in anymore. Um, and there is this. Uh, there is this tangible um, awareness of God that is sort of hidden e- deeply in the Christmas story and mm. that. And I can be Ebenezer Scrooge from time to time, and it's a good reminder through through that. Um, that's yes. a resource for me. And then also I just uh, I just picked up a book called Words for Winter um, that is filled with liturgies uh, for everything you can imagine. And a liturgy is just, just a fancy word for like a gathering in an order of service. It's essentially just the way that we pray and the way that we worship God. And and uh, it's a great book. It's got liturgies for things like hanging up Christmas lights or things like arguing with family in the midst of Christmas. It's it's a really cool, uh, cool. really cool book that I enjoy. Very last question, what's your favorite Christmas song and why? Oh man! So this is Christmas. Yeah, right. No, no, for sure, man. I would have to say, um, I think, I just think Silent Night. Yeah. Every year, and it's just the maybe, churchiest answer, Pastor. Well, Come on, man. I, and, and, <laughs> and I kidding. think so because the Christmas Eve service, man. But like, yeah. fall on your knees. Yeah. And I, man, when that when we hit that, I just I just feel like glory. Um, so you mean Oh Holy Night? Oh, holy night. Oh, holy night is yes. fall on your knees. See, yeah. That, we might be doing that one this Sunday. <laughs> Real churchy answer, Pastor. You can't even, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like so, me with books. And, oh, holy night yeah. would be, um, I think, my favorite one apart from yeah. John Lennon's So This Is Christmas. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, that's good. That is a very moving so song. So funny. Dynamically, it's a swooshy. Phil, about you? I I genuinely also love the song Oh, Holy Night. Yeah. Um, as far as a just general Christmas song that I really enjoy, yeah, the Christmas song I really do like. I don't know why. Yeah, just, uh, nice. That's the great. The Nat King Cole or, or Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra. I don't have a particular. Doesn't matter. Artist. When it comes on, I like singing with it. Yeah, there you go. myself. My, I like singing it myself. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's great. Mine, mine would have to be uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is mm. a really good one. Um, just basically any Christmas song in a minor key is a, is a win for me. Um, to ransom captive Israel. You can't yes. sing Israel. Nope. You have to say Israel. Right. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Well, listen to those songs. Uh, pick up those resources if you can. If you want any more information on uh, who we are as a church or what we've talked about, or if you just want to listen to last Sunday's sermon before you get into this podcast, but by now you've listened to the whole thing, so it doesn't really matter, you can go to westsidepb.org and find out more information about us. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. on our Sunday morning services, and you can catch this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts, and that's pretty much it. Thank you for listening to the rest of the sermon. Phil, good to have you on this week, man. Thanks, buddy. And I appreciate yeah. coming in. Jason, awesome. good to see you. Tyler, always good to see you, bud. Always a pleasure. Uh, until next time, everything that we do in life and from this Word of God that we read and hold open on this table right now, everything that we do and say, may it always be all about Jesus. We love you guys and blessings. Amen.